podcast, where we explore the backgrounds of interesting individuals and how they intersect with our building industry in Iowa. I'm your host, Ben Hammes, and I'm going to bring to you topics that help educate, develop, grow, and enhance you and your company. With that, I want to welcome Lars, Lars Peterson. Thanks for being on the podcast today. You bet. Came all the way from West Des Moines, is that right? That's right. Well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Would you do an introduction for uh, the audience, please? Sure. Um, I have a, I guess, play a d- couple different roles. One is a psychotherapist in private practice okay. in West Des Moines and also Colorado. Uh-huh. I also do a lot of training, primarily for EFR, and I'm sure we'll talk about EFR in a minute. Yeah. And um, then I work with students uh, who are becoming therapists as well. Okay. Do a little bit of family business consulting. Outside of the podcast here, you mentioned to me Iowa State. Is that where you're teaching? No, I used to work there. Used to work there. Right. Okay. And I guess a little bit unique about my background as far as a psych- psychotherapy, I, most of my career has been spent working in businesses. Okay. So I did spend some time at Iowa State. After college, I worked in a manufacturing company. Okay. And I spent a lot of time out in Montana, Wyoming, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, project managing okay. some projects. And, um, really Ever in this, in, in this industry, in, in construction, or were you primarily in manufacturing? It was, we manufactured on-premise signs. Okay. Some of those got pretty large, so I would be hiring uh, contractors to do concrete bases for signs that were 100 feet high. Ah. And were, you know, like, like highway yeah. truck stop signs. Yeah. Um, so, no, not exactly in the construction industry, but I definitely had to meet deadlines and sure. know, some of those kinds of things. Well, and I'm sure those folks, you know, they struggled with a lot of the struggles that we have in our industry. So, You bet. Yeah. Define for me psychotherapy. You've used that word a couple times now. I want to kind of lay the groundwork here. What are we talking about today? So some people just say therapist, but then there's physical therapists and there's... Uh, phys- occupational, know, there's sure. 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 So... Um, so mental health therapist, I work with people who are struggling. My specialties are anxiety, okay. uh, relationships, work, vocational issues, probably because I've been in business most of my life, um, and trauma. I guess I work quite a bit in PTSD kind of okay. areas. All right. Um, you mentioned EFR. You were recommended by the Employee and Family Resources. What type of work is that? Can you define that and tell us what you do with them? You bet. So I do a lot of training for them, um, leadership mental health, and then especially in the last year or year and a half, the intersection of mental health and leadership, which is a really interesting place mm. to, to be. Um, I'm a huge fan of EFR. I've done some different things for them, uh, supervised some students who were doing practicums at EFR. And okay. Actually did a little bit of EAP counseling as well. Um, so I'm a huge fan of their work and what they do. They do great work. Um, and would you like to know a little bit more about that, yeah, actually, yeah, what they do? Yeah, please. And, as, you know, obviously I'm not an employee, but... Um, so they uh, serve about 80,000 uh, employees across 225 companies. That's just in Iowa. They also go outside of Iowa uh, okay. sometimes as well. Okay. And they, are, they provide a lot of services from uh, everything from three to typically six short-term counseling sessions. Okay. And then if there's uh, longer-term counseling needed, they make referrals. Okay. They do life coaching, legal and financial consultation, identity theft assistance, elder care, child care, just really a broad array of services to help employees who are struggling or challenged in some way. Is it a nonprofit? It is a nonprofit. Okay. It was founded and really started in 1975, so they're coming up on 50 years. Okay. And that's here in Des Moines? Headquarters are in Des Moines, yes. Okay. Employee and Family Resources. What's the website? Do you know? 
<laughs> I put you on the Again, spot. I'm not an employee, so uh, I just have it saved in my browser. I'm sure it's That's probably okay. EFR.com. We can Google Employee and Family Resources Des Moines, and it, I'm sure we'll find it. It will come up very quickly. Okay. Very good. So they operate with 225 companies across the state. Are you aware of breakdown in terms of what types or size of companies that they work with? Great question. So I know they go pretty small, companies even less than 10 employees, okay. up to very large companies. Okay. Uh, but they would be very recognizable in, in Iowa and, and beyond. So really a broad array of industries and sizes. Sure. I've done presentations for, uh, you, again, really small companies, construction-type companies, uh, flooring, uh, retail, you know, and then some large grocery store chain kind of companies. Okay. You mentioned EAP, mm-hmm. Employee Assistance Programs, mm-hmm. um, something that our audience, I think, is fairly familiar with. I'm sure a lot of our members employ or have an EAP as part of their insurance program. Some probably don't. Um, can you talk to us about the importance of having an EAP in a um, benefits package for employees? So if I could kind of back up from that question sure. for just a moment. There are four really identified barriers to people getting help, and only about 60 to 70% of people who struggle with mental health issues get help. Okay. So a lot of people don't. Uh, two of the barriers are cost and then access. The EAP, in, in this case EFR, uh, eliminates those barriers right away. There's no cost initially. It's also confidential. Uh, if I use their services, my employer doesn't know. They just get an aggregate, aggregate report. Okay. So the cost uh, is eliminated, and then access. It's hard. I get. I was just talking to a client this morning who I recommended. I see a couple, and I recommended that he get individual therapy. And it's like, well, how do I do that? And I can't find bios, and I can't do well access just kind of mm. immediately through EFR. And then longer term, if you know, they can make a referral from there. Um, the last piece is stigma is one of the other barriers, and. One of the nice things about an EAP is through the education and the training they offer, they can reduce that stigma or at least work at reducing that stigma so mm-hmm. people are more likely to get help. Mm-hmm. On the access side, what do you find uh, is a good strategy for informing your employees that they have an EAP? Well, promote, promote, promote would okay. be number one. Uh, really let people know it. When I was in sales, sales and marketing was uh, a place I spent quite a bit of time before I became a psychotherapist, and we had this and I'm sure you've probably heard it, top of mind awareness. Uh-huh. Uh, we wanted our company to be top of the mind when somebody had a need. Same thing here. When somebody's struggling with a mental health issue or life, thinking about life coaching or financial, whatever it is, um, doing whatever you can to make the EAP top of mind. Okay. And that can include um, regular meetings with supervisors and uh, employees, distributing the newsletters, um, letting people know about the website, and the, uh, there's an app and there's a lot of other robust resources. Uh, being flexible, letting people uh, take appointments during the day if it's an EAP-related appointment mm. or any, you know, anything, an important appointment. They Probably the employee is not going to want to tell you in many cases that sure. they're going, depending on what it is. Um, and just really integrating it into the culture that it's, uh, it's, it's actually strength to seek help. It's, mm. not, it's not being weak. Yeah. I mean, when did EAPs come into existence? Like a lot of, like a lot of things, that's a fairly new concept, a fairly new benefit in a lot of packages, right? Uh, yeah. So EFR has been around for about fifty years. I'm not sure if they were one of the first ones in terms of being a pioneer, or if they came a little bit later. I don't know the full sure. history there. Do you know any of the data points on usability of the EAPs? Have they grown? Have they been stagnant? Have they 
decreased? I don't know. I'm just looking for any data on EAPs, I guess. I think there's been an overall trend of growth, but it's very uh, dependent on how much it's promoted, how much, how many training sessions are done, um, how often it's talked about. If it's just, is it a regular part of the policies and procedures? Mm-hmm. Is HR fully schooled? Really, even more important than HR because they almost always are. Are the managers fully knowledgeable about what can be, you know, accessed through the Sure, EAP? it's got to be. It's got to come from the top down, like yeah, you said. It's key. Yeah. Um, you've studied and trained, I guess, something that Tom and I were talking about was psychological safety, mm-hmm. psychological safety. What, what does that mean? So that's a term that really came about in the 1960s. Okay. And so it's been around a while, but it's really become popular after Google did an internal study, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, it really means that members of the team are not, are not worried about being embarrassed, judged harshly, criticized for making mistakes, speaking up, those kinds of things. And the four key components usually identified are, you know, inclusion. I feel like I'm part of the team. I'm valued. You know, I I belong, if you will. Um, That it's okay to ask questions, you know, even, quote, dumb, unquote, questions. Right. Um, It's okay to challenge authority, obviously respectfully, but still it's okay to speak up. And uh, mistakes are learning opportunities. Obviously, if it's egregious, then maybe some other things need to happen. But in general, mistakes are seen as learning opportunities, and then you move on. Mm. And really interestingly, I, I did this uh, a leadership slash mental health presentation, and it was for just a few people because they were testing it out. They're brand new to EFR, and they wanted to see you know how they could use these training sessions. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a um, superintendent. So he had a lot of foremen that were reporting to him. And at the end, his takeaway was, you know, I don't ever say, well, that was a dumb idea or that was stupid. But, boy, my, I think I need to watch my, my facial expressions. Hmm. <laughs> so that was his, which I thought was a really insightful takeaway. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, a lot, lots learned on body language. and You bet. Pick a lot up, especially with your leader and your manager and how you respond, how you even you know, carry yourself in the conversation. Exactly. Are you listening? Are you multitasking? You know, all yeah. All kinds of things. What um, check-ins? You have this mention of check-ins. Um, what does that mean? So that means just making sure that you're regularly checking in with the employees to see how they're doing. Okay. Um, and what, what's, what's regular? So that's a great question. It depends partly on what's going on. I would say regular is... is depending on the industry and if people are out in the field in construction, obviously a lot right. of people are out and they're isolated, they're disengaged. Right. So, you know, I would think once a week would be minimum in some cases. Sure. Sometimes it's, it can be more than that, but definitely during any busy periods, okay. uh, before and after big projects. Okay. Or if um, I heard an instance the other day where someone experienced a tornado in their community and the people in the company were checking in with their how you doing and, you know, those kinds of check-ins. So anything big that happens, that's an obvious time for a check-in. Now, is it important to check in on the individual related to the company and how their job is going? Or is it out of bounds to be asking questions about their personal life and checking in there? What do you, what do you recommend to teach? So let me ask that or answer that last part first. Um, when I was very early in the leadership mental health presentations. Mm-hmm. One of the participants said, you know, I really like to ask team members what they're doing this weekend. 
Mm. And what he meant by that, it's not going so deep. You're not saying, well, how's your marriage? Or are you still fight? You know, sure. going into that level of detail. But if they say, well, I'm doing this and doing this and doing this and they're kind of excited about it, that's much different than if they say, well, I'm just going to be, you know, drinking a case of beer and watching a lot of football on TV and uh-huh. yeah, by myself. You know, I mean, j- just um, gives you some insight into how they're doing. And it gives them an opportunity to open up on their own. You bet. Without having to dig deep. One thing I learned in an earlier podcast is how important it is to ask twice. Mm. I thought that was very insightful that your read on your people immediately, you know, if there's something wrong, even if they say it's fine, right? but it's not until the second time you ask until they really open up. Yeah, that's good. And I thought that was really, really insightful. Yeah. One other thing about check-ins that's important is that sometimes um, leaders are hesitant because they don't want to be intrusive. Right. And these check-ins can be really simple like how's your week going yeah and and then really listen um or you know if it's you know there's something going on maybe a big work deadlines whatever hey this is a challenging time for us how you doing um can get more direct hey i noticed that you haven't spoken up during the last three meetings Mm. that's really not like you yeah are you okay yeah you know so you can you can really step it up and get as direct as you need to be but when leaders are hesitant to check in i think it's just because they don't realize they could start very very small yeah well, and there's there's this line that the world we live in too that you, you feel that you're crossing, right? You're fearful of crossing some imaginary line and and being on the wrong side of an employment dispute. I, I understand right. that entirely, and I, I'm sure that you know prohibits people from doing those check-ins. I guess. Yeah, you bet. Can can we go um, back to when we first started talking about psychological Please. safety? And if I could talk a little bit about the value. Uh, especially for the construction industry. So a culture of silence, which happens when when people don't feel like they're going to be judged, even if it's by body language or rolled eyes or whatever, they're going to be less likely to speak up. Mm -hmm. They're going to be less likely to report near misses that might have happened on a site. Mm -hmm. They're going to be less likely to report mistakes. And so really it can be not only a performance issue, but a a safety issue. Sure. and this, the interesting piece that really, I, I became really interested in this when I came across a study by Google in which they looked at, uh, let me get this right, I think it was a, over 180 uh, team members on a, a wide, wide variety of teams. And they tried to identify the most important part of team effectiveness, and they looked at all these variables. They had like 100 variables. The number one uh, trait of a high-performing team with psychological safety. Hmm. Not a happy team, a high-performing team. Hmm. That really, that's kind of what propelled me down this yeah. this line of thinking. That's very interesting. You you mentioned earlier, too, and I, I'm sorry, I apologize, we're going back and forth, and I'm harkening back to where we started, but you talked about the, the intersection between mental health and senior leadership, I think is how you define that. What What do you mean by that? I mean, training leaders on how to work with people who might be navigating uh, mental health issues. Okay, so what it, kind it's of related to what we're talking about with check-ins and psychological safety. All of this is incorporated together, but it's about drawing that out from a leadership perspective from their employees. Is, that's what you were talking about? That's a, that's a part of it. Part of it is just what are mental health disorders and how do they work and what's most common, what's Got the it. prevalence. And so actually I'm working with EFR right now to develop a, a intensive, looks like it'll be a four-hour training for leaders on Integrating psychological safety, employee resilience, uh, kind of a, a dual how to how 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 to have um, 
how to increase well-being among employees and increase productivity. Hmm. You're going to do a four-hour course on that. Right. I have a sneaking suspicion we'll be in talks. <laughs> Sounds good. No, there's a lot of resources there that are very helpful. Um, Lars, I, I've covered what I wanted to talk about today. Did we miss anything? Did you wanted to highlight here? Um, you know, I don't think so, given what you've asked. Um, it, have you ever had someone f- from EFR or an EAP on the program to talk more in depth? Because obviously I can't do quite the job. We haven't, but I'd love the opportunity. Yeah, that could be really good. Yeah, this has been a fun medium to get messages out to our audience, and, and uh, I never expected it to be, you know, to go as far and as wide as, as it does sometimes. It's been really um, fun to watch, and the more voices I think we can have on this podcast that can share a variety of perspectives, I think the better. Mm-hmm. And we're such an industry that we look internally on each other. We, 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 we talk to each other. We're competitive by nature. We sometimes have a hard time looking outside of the industry. And that's uh-huh. always where I'm trying to bring the voices in on this podcast, especially um, whether it's recruitment retention, whether it's mental health, whether it's suicide prevention, whatever those are just trying to bring different voices. And so talking to your folks at EFR would be something I'd be very interested in. That could be good. What you asked about anything, I guess one thing I would say is I, since I'm a male, I probably attract more male clients than some psychotherapists. And um, it's interesting when I went into private practice in 2015, in, in one year I had two different males come into my office and say, this is BS that I'm here. They use more colorful language than I'm using. (laughs) Uh, Nothing against you, but, but I'm just irritated. I'm just a little stressed. But my partner said, if I'm not coming here, there's going to be some bad things that could happen. But I don't need to be here. Let me clear, be clear. So we kind of made a deal in each case, uh, two different guys within a year. Uh, how about we do three sessions? Just see what happens. Yeah. Each time at the end of three sessions, they both said, whoa, I had no idea I had this going on. Mm. Um, it, it was fascinating that they both thought it was just stress. And they hadn't yeah. recognized that there was so much more than that. So that's not completely uncommon among males sure. in our society. Nobody ever needs therapy until they need it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You're, and then you're in that business. No, I'm sure that's a very rewarding experience and rewarding feedback for you too. You bet. Yeah. Lars, thanks for being here today. Where uh, where would our folks find you? Can they find you online? I would say find me through EFR, Employee Family Resources. Okay. So if you wanted to reach out to me, you could reach out to EFR and definitely uh, I, will, I will respond. Great. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, everybody. It's been real. If you can join us, come to our next breakfast club, Tuesday, October 3rd, beginning at 7.30 in the morning. Join us for some light networking, a coffee, pastry, and hear a presentation on cybersecurity and how to keep you, your employees, and your company safe. Join us on Tuesday, October 3rd for the breakfast club and RSVP by going on our website at www.nbi.build.